1: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast.
2: Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble
3: responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858.
1: On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 runout.
4: 25 meters from goal, right foot drop part he thrashed it through the Blues have made a bold showing at the MCG early. Collingwood's have be just going red alert, yeah. red alert right now. Bucks has got smoke coming out of him, uh, snap machine. shoot. Out the side now to Grundy and then to Josh Thomas who wobbled it through for a goal. The Magpies have strung half a dozen together. Ben
0: Reed he has the shot for goal, he saw it one at the other end of the ground, it's a similar
2: shot, and the same result. And that's nine in a row for Collingwood and there's trouble everywhere for Carlton at the MCG. Well the been
5: Great as well. We can talk about that the
0: coaching's been great, but they're starting to harass the ball, with not they? Contested the 50-50 footing socket further, but straight to Reed, who promptly chips the ball high for Josh Thomas. Well, there would have been plenty of times when this young man was on sabbatical, but he thought this day they never come again. Back on the MCG, I'm sure he didn't dream of kicking five goals on Friday night football, but that's exactly what he's done,
4: Josh Thomas. Up it goes in the middle, Grundy wins the tap, and that's it. Collingwood gets a foothold into the fresh season. They win on Friday night down in the blues by 24 points.
2: We didn't
5: play um, with much conviction in the second half, but our, our footy in the first half, um, after a slow start, was pretty good. The scoreboard looked really good for us, and. And potentially we um, we got carried away with that. We lost some of our disciplines with the way that we wanted to play. And as I said, we didn't play with a great conviction in the second half, but we'll take them in.
4: Collingwood gets what it craves. So win to build the season on. Captain
6: Scott Pendlebury joins us the morning after. I think there's a level of cohesion we're trying to um, get with this group and there's just uh, too many of um, too many basic fundamental errors and they, uh, they got us on the outside and hit the scoreboard pretty quickly and yeah, that, that hurt us.
0: Their top end talent is undeniable, but how far away are the Blues really after they fall well short again? We'll ask the coach. Pretty naive, pretty immature in many ways and um, that's where it's sat.
7: What's, what's important is we do something about it. The board and the executive have taken action to exit the gaming industry.
3: I think that there's absolutely no doubt that a commitment to Port Adelaide will come from Oli. It's just a matter of when. There are sections of the playing group that are now not embracing of everything about each other and the club.
7: I think the AFL has created an absolute storm because of semantics. Wonder drugs, the
4: Selwood shrug, the dogs under siege—it's all in the crunch. Plus, Demon CEO Peter Jackson is our special guest. It's another massive, massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Honda's 2017 runout is now on. Visit honda.com.au/offers. slash
0: on top of the world on a beautiful morning like this as we welcome you to the mcg for crunch time we've even got something i haven't seen in a long time a curtain raiser here at the mcg to brighten the spirits even further on this masters weekend on 11 16 we've got an aussie in contention what could be better than that as we welcome you to crunch time as we said for honda honda's 2017 run out is now on visit honda.com.au slash offers it wasn't a memorable game. It has to be said last night at the MCG, but uh, as Jared alluded to in the opening Collingwood and Nathan Buckley got what they needed, which was a win, Cane Corns. Great to have you with us again on this
5: Saturday morning. Uh, hello, Jared and Bob, and, uh, yeah, good morning to you. It begs the question about... Carlton on Friday night and in the prime time slots. I've, I've done some a little bit of research here this morning and got some numbers for you that make for some pretty average reading if you're a Blues fan. And why we have Richmond and Hawthorne the early game tomorrow at the MCG when it could have been scheduled on Friday night instead of last night. Perhaps we'll get to that in a moment. You got an answer for that, Terry?
4: No, they're not Friday night ready.
5: No, and they've
0: they're not. Got
4: three more of them. It never made sense when the fixture came out. It was one of the key talking points the moment the fixture was released. I always feel it's a little bit unfair on the club itself because there's scrutiny that comes with Friday night which is far more intense than other slots and uh, they can't carry the day on that just yet. No, it
0: doesn't seem that way. That's for sure. Let's uh, head over to Adelaide and say a very good morning to Bob Moore, Murphy, former Bulldogs skipper and champion. And great to have you with us again, Bob, on this Saturday for Crunch
2: Time. Good morning, Hutto. Good morning, Jared and Kano. Great to great to chat to you. Um, I'm I'm broadcasting live from a very sunny, very warm. Warm Adelaide, so I've got the slip, slop, slap on, and uh, it should be it should be a good one over here. Port what Adelaide are you sitting taking out- on you're sitting outside or something, eh? Yeah, yeah, well you left me to my own devices, <laughs> so I've got a p- pina colada on the go, huddle. <laughs> now it's a beautiful conditions over here. Great to talk to you guys.
0: And you're seeing Port versus
2: uh, Brisbane,
0: Brisbane, aren't you? So Tom yeah. Rockliff
2: against his old team. Yeah, it could be a bit of feeling in, in that one, but um, Port Adelaide going raging hot favourites, but Brisbane with. Bit of a new look Brisbane this year with Luke Hodge and Cam Rainer and um, hopefully they can uh, hopefully they can take it to power.
0: All right, well that involve you no doubt in our discussion right through the day looking forward to your thoughts on last night's game
4: this time-honored classic of a curtain raiser which is australia versus the north melbourne vfl hutto yeah. is these are the academy kids and there are such raps on this yes. class coming through they started in the first 14 seconds they got the clearance three possession down the ground kicked the goal it was unbelievable from the kids and this includes scott west's son john blakey's son and robert scott's son and Having seen them and met them during the week, a couple of them are dead ringers for their old man.
0: Isn't that fantastic? And I reckon we we wouldn't have to look too carefully around the MCG to see every recruiter here today to watch them in action. And they already and I think it's one of the points of um, before we talk about last it's one of the points we've seen already this year, isn't it? I mean last year's draft not rated as highly as the one coming yet we've already seen the impact of some of the players picked up uh, last year
5: well that's it and I never understand the debate about lifting the draft age because I think already they come in and have an immediate impact you know even Paddy Dow last night he wasn't at his absolute best I didn't think some of his skills let him down but comes in and looks at home in his first year and, and Rainer, as Bob has spoken about. So I'm not one for lifting the draft age. I think it's spot on. And, and as we're seeing here, some some stars. I don't think North Melbourne have they've hardly touched the ball already. And we've played a couple of minutes in this game.
0: Let's get into last night and uh, starting, of course, with Collingwood, the winners who, uh, who just got the win they needed. And Nathan Buckley, it was interesting to ha- have his perspective, wasn't it, post-match? We're going to speak to Scotty Pendlebury. He talked about how disappointed he was with the second half. So he was already taking it from not just the four points, but you know, knowing that they have to do much better than that over the game. But do you think, away from his public uh, thoughts, he, he'd go home satisfied with last night's he, game?
5: He would, and uh, he needed to be, because the next three are pretty tough. He goes to Adelaide next week, plays the Crows, who, who just basically don't lose on the Adelaide Oval, and then it's Essendon on Anzac Day and Richmond after that. So... I was big on last night, the Collingwood players making a statement. I thought they did that in the first half. That's exactly what they needed to, and uh, we might speak about their VFL forward line a little bit later on, but it features Dugowie for solo, Dacos and Elliott, so there is a good bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and I thought he coached very well last night just with the way that he used his gun midfielders forward. We saw side bottom best on ground with three goals, but also Trelaw went forward and kicked a goal. Adams hit the scoreboard, and uh, Josh Thomas, they wouldn't have expected fire from him, so I thought he coached very well last night.
0: Bob, going into the game, you know, put yourself in the shoes of those Collingwood players last night. I know they're looking to take it each week, but they would have known that there's tough matches ahead and they hadn't had a win, even though they'd played pretty well
2: the week before. What would their mindset have been, do you think, going into last night? I just think with Collingwood, for the Collingwood players and the coaches, it's almost like they, they play at, at altitude because of the heightened pressure around everything that happens at Collingwood. So I, I was... The most impressive thing for me last night, amongst what was a great night for Collingwood on a, on a number of fronts, but the pressure on them going in on the coach with the atmosphere around that footy club to then go three goals down early. Now we look back and we go, oh, yeah, they were able to steady and, and run away with it because they were clearly the better team. But the, the ability, and, and we, I can't wait to talk to Scott Pendlebury later, but the maturity of that and the leadership of the group on field last night, oh, that stood out to me after being three goals down, you know the the pressure just goes up and up and up on that football club in that situation, and the players were able to steady the ship and and get themselves through it. So it's almost like now Collingwood can get a bit of clear air and and start their season. Kane, is it easy to panic when you go three goals down like that, given what was
0: riding and what were you thinking watching the game oh here we go uh,
5: a little bit i had a bit of a sense of the round one game against richmond uh, i think so i was always expecting collingwood to come back but you'd be nervous and i guess it just sparks you into gear a little bit but yeah once again as i said i thought the leadership was great i thought um the way that um, i thought um Treloar was terrific just the way he took the game on and just sort of everyone else got around him and i reckon they've uncovered it their next star. Uh, Collingwood and, and Brodie Grundy's been spoken about but he's 23 years of age Jared, and he can potentially be if he's not already the best ruckman in the game for the next five to six years so you can come to the footy knowing you're going to get a big effort from Grundy and he's got that aura about him he's got the rock star looks he's a little bit different the way he thinks about the game so he's a genuine star of the competition now. and on
2: the flip side of that Kane the the Matty Cruiser situation is one of massive concern for Carlton he, he was sore in round one, he, he didn't get through. He missed round two and Jared Wits was hugely influential for Gold Coast and then last night he looked sore again and Grundy was best man on the grandest about. So that's a that's a really big worry for, for Carlton if, if Cruiser can't get himself fit and, and endure the, the whole season.
4: So yeah. Grundy's an out and out ruckman. He played ninety six or ninety seven yep. percent in the ruck. And it was interesting early on Buckley abandoned Reed and Cox and that's actually when the forward line clicked and he got his best results by moving his gun midfielders through Liam Jones. They worked that well didn't yeah. they didn't they? Yeah. So for what they wanted to do with the setup of Cox and Reed is to not be stubborn and it was only about twelve or thirteen minutes in that I reckon he abandoned it. Uh, and what worked surely is the template for them and it makes selection interesting because Grundy's going to play All day, every day in the ruck. And if he is as good as you think he can Mm. become, he'll hold that down. What do they do? Can they play as they
0: did last night where they're not full forward, but they're in that Wayne Carey spot, if you like. But can you play two in that spot, which is sort of what they did last night?
5: Well, vitally, they need more back. And so when he comes back, I think it's perfect for that. To to get Darcy Moore as the the focal point, but not necessarily the only focal point. The one that moves around, he can come up the ground a little bit like Rewalt played towards the latter part of his career, and then you rotate the mids through there. And so we- you think more forward when he comes 100% back? 100% more forward. I, I couldn't understand why they would try him back. He just he just looks like a forward to me, and they're so hard to get. You can get the Lyndon Duns of the world and the battlers, if you like, <laughs> the recycled players to hold down a key position player. We saw the Western Bulldogs win a flag doing it, Bob. Um, you can replace players back there in the back line with help from um, midfielders and, and players playing behind the ball. You can't develop forwards that are 200 centimetres and can move like Darcy Moore. So get him back, play him forward. And then rotate once to comes back once for Solo and Elliott come back as well. So is Cox in your team or not? No, and he wasn't. It wasn't last night, and I, you know I didn't think he was terrible last night, but no. once again, he got better as yeah, the game went yeah, on. Yeah, I mean he took it, but he just doesn't have the attributes for me to play in that position. He's either a, a genuine ruckman, I think, Jared, which he's not going to be in but, this but side. But surely they're not
0: going to abandon it, are they? Because they signed Cox to an extent on the back of a couple of games at the end of last year. I also
5: signed Chris Main to a 4 you, do. Yeah, good that. point. They, they abandoned that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> but just uh, but I was getting back to the front. I don't know, just, just the quick numbers, if I don't want to bore you, but their last 10, they've lost Carlton by an average of 62 points, just over. Their last Friday night victory or Thursday was right back in round 18, 2014. And as Jared said, they've got another one in round six against the Dogs. That could feature two winless sides in round six. So. Uh, I think the AFL... Why would that, how could they make that mistake, Gerard? Yeah,
4: so far, the Thursday night to start, which is their yeah. slot, so that's OK. But then to have a sequence of four Friday nights, the first one against Collingwoods, round six against the Bulldogs, round 11 against Sydney, and round 17 against St Kilda, they're just not box office. And, and, and through no fault of their own, they weren't expected no, to be no. box office this year. They had and seven I, and 20... I
0: mentioned last night, Carlton and Collingwood haven't been on a Friday night for the last... Mm. Four years. So why are they again?
5: And it was 68,000, which is a really strong crowd, but you know, in their prime, uh, if both sides are winning, it's probably 80 plus, isn't it? So they had seven in 2015 and they lost all of them. So you would have thought only a couple of years later that the AFL would have learned. So oh, I was just sitting at home thinking, why are these two sides playing when we've got Hawthorne and Richmond early game tomorrow. didn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, I think at the time the explanation was it was a bit of an anomaly. There was a few things that sort of went certain ways. It wasn't something they did deliberately, and I think Richmond have probably got their share of Friday nights
4: anyway, but that does seem curious. I do think once you present your fixture and someone goes, uh, no, no, can we just move? So it couldn't be Hawthorne because of Easter Monday and the turnaround there. Oh, of course. there There are reasons, but it's not like it was the only game that could have been on and... This is absolutely foreseeable.
0: Before we leave, Brody Grundy, who is the best ruckman in the competition
2: right now? Bob,
4: <laughs> I'm a
2: big Jared Witz man.
4: I'm oh, a big you Jared are, Witts aren't man. you? Yeah, Just...
2: oh, it's, a, it's a tough. I mean, I, I, still, I still have Max Gorn as the as the number one ruckman in the competition, and, and Paddy Wright as, he'd be right up there as well. But it, it is almost the it's almost the second coming of the dominant ruckman in the competition. There's, you could, I think, there's probably half a dozen who we could name who would be sort of vying for the spot. But then there's a gap, isn't there?
0: That's what it seems like. We've seen already a number of games this year where the team with the dominant Ruckman has completely dominated.
5: You've either got one or you don't, and we've seen St Kilda's troubles. They've got a couple, but they're not at the level. So, you know, what do you do after that? And Well, Geelong are the same in a way,
0: exactly. aren't they? They've got two and they've openly talked about sharing it during the year, which is curious <laughs> mindset from the
5: start. Uh, but it's the ones that can get around the ground. I mean, his numbers last night, not just in the ruck, but 25 disposals around the ground, 13 contested, seven clearances, eight tackles. Like, this is midfield numbers and that's, that's what you have to do. So that's why I've got him ahead of probably Ryder and also Nat Nui in the fact that around the ground he's a lot more dominant than, than those two. So Gorn and Grundy, for me, are
2: the best two. There's Ruckman and followers, isn't there? I mean, Brisbane will be really up against it today? But with Paddy Ryder out, Stephen Martin, he is that he is mm-hmm. the follower. He's all he's like a he's like a giant ruck rover in a sense. So if he if he can give the Brisbane midfielders you know first use of it today and and get around the ground and take marks around the ground, that's I, that's I tell a you what, Bob. Charlie Brisbane.
0: Dixon was sensational in the second half last week, and it'll be real. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I don't think they'll start with him in the ruck today, but. He could he be really he's a bit of a wild card as to what he can do to the to the look of Port Adelaide.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they what they put up against Martin because you know we Justin Westhoff of course he he's a he he can sort of bit part play in there as well.
0: Back to last night at Collingwood and before we talk uh, briefly about the Blues, we've got Scotty Pendlebury coming up. We've also got uh, Brennan Bolton a little later in the program, so there'll be plenty more time to analyse Friday night football. What what can they achieve? What's realistic for Collingwood this year, do you think? Not necessarily in wins and losses, but well, I guess that's how you get measured, but
5: Well, they've put t- together two pretty solid performances in a row. I thought last week against the Giants, they were, they were pretty good, and I reckon the Collingwood fans can walk away from here last week and think, Yeah, I saw something today and it gives you some momentum. So look I don't have them in the finals and Jared, and you don't make predictions smartly and yeah. I'm gonna
4: they should be able to split their games.
5: They should be but they
4: should be able to be a fifty fifty team.
5: And is that is that going to cut it? Because that'll be five years in a row without finals. And is there anything to suggest that in 2019, they're going to propel themselves into finals? So is it going to be six years without finals? And then is it? are you in that St. Kilda mode where you're just stuck in the middle? I think
4: the upswing is what they need. So they've had two seasons of nine wins. They need to be on mm. the upswing. And an 11 would put them there, and that would get Buckley the second year of his contract. Yeah,
5: agree. And then do you, do you just have to go for a Tom Lynch or... a or a Rory Sloan or...
4: Yes, some, well, to, I mean, surely to, they're in those conversations and, um, along with everybody else. Yeah. But, uh, they, you know, the, the core of their team are in their early 20s, so you would expect them to improve year on year. And as we
0: discussed last night, they've actually got a lot of players that were initially at least judged as high draft picks, a lot of first-round picks in their team. So they can get a little bit from, from elsewhere and, and you, as you said, get that uh, upswing... Then maybe they can do better than what we expected, but it's still you're still not quite sure. I mean, you got Pendlebury heading towards yeah. the latter years of his career, but side still and and Scott you know, still going strong, and and uh, and and side bottom, certainly as he was best on ground last night. So they
5: have still got that top end. It's amazing when you have a win, you, you do look at it uh, glass half full, and you go through and you, and you look at you know Trelaw's young Hoskin Elliott has been a good pick up despite their um, criticism around their recruiting. Then maynard is a player who is tough and is going to be a 200 game player then you've got stevenson who's a first year player that played so all of a sudden you're looking through and going well maybe you know maybe there is some upside and maybe they do have a core group of you know 22 to 26 year olds that can push towards finals next year
0: that's why i'm always a little bit curious that nathan talks about um uh how they're you know a a hard side they're 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 not a pretty side Mm. they like to sort of clog it up and play that sort of style We, we don't we haven't seen that faith maybe it just doesn't is realistic about what they can actually do with the footy and that's that's the bottom line
4: and and we see that at the moment week on week with the skill level yeah it just undermines what they try to do so often i sort of feel like we know what last night was it's to be taken at face mm. value they beat a team that they absolutely should be beating and this next phase that will give us the idea all right
0: we'll take a break uh, we'll talk carlton a little later and uh, the co- the coach of the blues will join us uh, Peter Jackson, the Melbourne CEO, also be with us. We'll reflect on our chat with Gil. Lots of questions in the crunch. Big weekend of footy ahead. Alistair Clarkson has he, fired a shot across the bow. Lucky they played the Cats last week and not this week. We'll follow that.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Story up and put a focus on the Bulldogs as well. Luke Beveridge has spoken ahead of their game against the Bombers. What a beauty that's going to be on Sunday. Scott Penelby joins us next on Crunch Time. The Honda, Honda's 2017 runout sale is now on. Visit honda.com.au slash offers.
1: On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 runout.
5: Yeah, it was just to nullify his influence in at stoppage and, and Pendle's, you know, he's disciplined to play that role for us. Pendle's had three himself, but it was, it's hard to, it's hard that we don't have a, a, a real big body like um, like a Cripps. Um, so Pendle's is probably our, our biggest midfielder. And I think Pendle's um, discipline to roll is unquestioned and he's, he's, his leadership's been first class.
0: 24-point win by Collingwood last night on the MCG. we we'll reflect on it now with uh, Collingwood's new run-with player, Scott Penelbury. Uh, welcome, Scotty.
8: Thanks, mate. Thanks for having
0: me. Uh, it was a great performance, uh, particularly as Nathan's alluded to in the first half. But tell us about the the role that you played on Crips. And, um, we certainly were waxing lyrical last night about the unselfishness of, of both yourself and a couple of the other players that, to a degree, sacrificed your own game to, for the greater good.
8: Yeah, it was um, one that uh, Bucks come to me earlier in the week with about trying to shut Cripps out, not so much uh, a complete run within transition, but more just around stoppage and, um, you know, when I dug a bit deeper and have a look at the numbers, you know, he's averaging I think 11 clearances and 23 contested possessions a game, so we knew that he's the guy that gets him going around the ball, uh, his tackle pressure is really good. So, yeah, my role last night was probably one that I've never done before, but one that um, I enjoyed, and, and the challenge of playing on someone like Cripps is is exciting. You know, he's um, oh, he's clearly the biggest midfielder in the comp. He's like six foot five, and I reckon he'd be a hundred kilos. So, um, you know, it was uh, yeah, it was a good challenge, and I enjoyed the battle.
0: How hard is it for someone like you to change that mindset to some degree to perform a role like that?
8: Um, yeah, it was definitely when when Nathan spoke to me earlier in the week. It was um, you know, I've never uh a, a pseudo run with before in my career. So, um, you know, but I've had I've had guys run with me and I, I know what i found hard, so I just tried to implement a few of those things and looked at his Gold Coast tape and um, watched some of the work the Gold Coast players did on him around stoppage and, yeah, really just tried my best to nullify him around the stoppage and then, um, yeah, just had trust in the other boys
0: that they'll get it done
8: around, around the stoppages for us.
0: What are those things that you really don't like, Scotty?
8: Uh someone that's always sort of got body on you and that, that close attention and um, yeah he's he's so strong that you can't you know you can't get in front of him because you just push you out the way and uh, I just tried to nullify his run not let him have a clean run at the ball because once he gets two hands on it and he's got some momentum you're not going to tackle him he's too big.
4: It's not going to help you with your teammates ribbing you about A graders and B graders is it if they make you a pseudo run with?
8: Well I think I've graduated because I was second ruck last
4: week
8: <laughs> um, so I've moved to run with and then Maybe next week I'll get the back pocket job.
5: <laughs> Scotty, Jared uh, was having a bit of a laugh, but seriously, have, have you noticed the criticism uh, regarding yourself this year?
8: Um, oh, I've heard it. Yeah, like today's footy world. I think players who say they never hear it, um, you know, are lying. I, I definitely hear it. But um, you know, inside the football club, we've got things that we value and that we're trying to do. And um, yeah, so the, the feedback in, internally is. You know, they were happy with how I was playing and, um, you know, I'm not going to get carried away after one one game, round one, getting called by Mike, who actually was kind enough to jump on my podcast this week and explain himself. So it was, uh, it was great to have a chat to the great man.
5: For those that missed it, how did he explain himself?
8: Well, he said he wanted to see if he was still relevant, if he'd make some noise if he spoke. I so, was <laughs> um, sure he was still relevant and, and my teammates gave it to me all week.
5: Just on last night, I thought the way that Nathan coached with rotating your dangerous mids through Liam Jones, was that a tactic you went into the game to try and expose the Carlton defender?
8: Yeah, we just wanted a bit of speed um, sort of around Reedy and Coxie as well as as somebody um, that could just continually try and hit up at the footy and draw the footy because, um, A, if they were open, we want to play through them, but we felt, you know, if you could draw Jones and then, give Reedy and Coxie some really clear one-on-one battles that, that would suit us as well. And, um, you know, guys like Sidebottom, Trelaw, I think I think Will Hoskinelli kicks kicked three for us. So, um, yeah, it, it worked last night. And, um, you know, I think it's it's part ball carrier actually using those options and, and seeing them and, and hitting them to make Jones more accountable than the guys for the footy, you know, working as a group and, and being unselfish.
2: Scott, it's Bob here. Well done on a great win last night. Can you take us out onto the field when, when Carlton kicked three in a row to start the game and put you guys on the back foot, can you take us on the field and with yourself and the other leaders of your of your club and how you got regained that composure? Yeah, we just
8: felt um, sort of after every goal, you, you quickly have a chat, and we just felt like we couldn't even get our hands on the footy. Um, so we need to just get our hands on the footy, take some momentum out of the game and, and get the game back in our fourth half where we could try and lock them in a bit and, and put some pressure back on them and... Um, we got to work a little bit more around, um, you know, the first kick out of centre-bounds, cleaned up their ground ball stuff and then were able to, to pin them a little bit in our fourth half and play the game in there and, and reverse the pressure on them.
2: And how about the morale of the group in the build-up to last night? Because the pressure around Collingwood is all... It just seems to be greater than it is at every other club. And with, with the pressure on and the media attention, how, how do you, as the captain of the footy club, how do, you, how do you sort of gather the group in the build-up to such a big game?
8: i am stick to the process. I know that's pretty boring, but we wanted to make sure that we trained really well Wednesday. Um, there was an edge to us, we were really sharp. Um, you know, we, we acknowledged we were zero on two and we, it was a must win game and um, you know, we also touched on some of the history because it's not it's not as big for players now to play in Carlton Collingwood because we didn't grow up in the zones and you you know, everyone, your family's Collingwood. It's so we touched on the history and how big it is for our supporter base and, and what the game means and um, yeah, the first 15 minutes wasn't a great start, but we, we managed to pull through and, and play pretty pretty good sort of back end of the first quarter and a really strong second.
5: And the upside is that there's some players returning in the VFL today. I think it is Dugowie uh, for solo, Dakos, Elliot also running around, and Darcy Moore not too far away, you wouldn't think, with that Hammy, Who is the closest out of those sort of five to come back?
8: Yeah, well, I think all the guys playing today, I think, granted, they get through, they'll be able to put their hand up for, for the game against Adelaide so um, you know I've done a power of work on the track and, and today is really their their first hit out round one of the VFL so hopefully they all get through and um, yeah can, can put their hand up and um, you know hopefully push for for uh, the crows on Friday night and, and if not we've got a um, a pretty long break after that crows game before Anzac day
5: what was the message after the game how quickly do you turn your attention to the crows
8: um, yeah it's sort of implemented this year that, you know, from as soon as the game finishes, you know, you get half an hour off where you can actually enjoy the win. Um, so it was good. We had that half an hour to, to really enjoy it. And then, <laughs>
2: um,
8: yeah, I know you get so much time to, to uh, sort of bask in a good performance. But, yeah, then then you slowly just turn, um, you know, you start getting ready for Adelaide. It's a big test over there. And um, we'll start to drill down Monday on on the Crows.
5: Scott, you're a deep thinker of the game and uh, you're across most issues. Alistair Clarkson's uh, statements about the shrug, the tackle, uh, where do you see it? Is it the tackler's responsibility or do we need to change the rules with that?
8: Um, Well, I think there's like, and everyone knows, there are certain players who use it as a tool to um, draw free kicks. But I think the the responsibility does fall back to the tackler. You know, if you're hitting guys um, in the shoulder with tackles, you know, high up on the shoulder... It is very easy to shrug and draw a free kick. And, um, you know, I think playing, you know, Toby McLean, Joel Selwood, um, you know, James Sisley does it at Hawthorne. You've got to go at those guys at the hips and, and trust the momentum from that tackle will force an errant handball or a kick.
4: Scott, when you said you implemented this year to take 30 minutes to enjoy the win, does that mean previously you weren't taking the time to enjoy the win or you were taking too long to enjoy the win? Which, which adjustment have you made?
6: Yeah,
8: no. We used to go sort of five minutes, and then sort of into the coach and dissect the game. And um, yeah, we just thought it's, it's good just to give the players a bit of time to talk and talk about the game and uh, just enjoy it. And, and we don't lose. You just have that half an hour just to have those player conversations, which I think are really important. And then gives the coaches a bit of a chance as well. I think to to gather their key messages, and then you then you go in and, and have that you know uh, sometimes brief, sometimes long chat.
4: So whose idea was that?
8: Uh, it was actually Maxis coming across from the storm. It was something that that worked for them. And, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed the change. It's just a bit of a chance to unwind, um, touch base with family and friends as well.
4: So get off the hamster wheel of just moving the move <laughs> straight on and, and acknowledge that you have accomplished something in winning a game.
8: Yeah, exactly. And it, you no, know, it's, it is the best part of footy. You hear players talk about it all the time that, that when the siren goes and you do win a game of football, just to enjoy that or, Um, you know, when you lose, have those conversations as players and then uh, jump in, I suppose, a little bit more level-headed.
4: You spoke last year about the, and we've sort of referred to it as the heightened environment around Collingwood and how it it almost suppressed some of what you were trying to do. Do do you think the atmosphere is any different this year?
8: Um, Oh, there was a circus last year with with Bucks and his contract, Um, no doubt, but... Yeah, I feel like that's being removed this year. It's like sort of a cloud hanging over the club's head for a long portion last year. Um, win or lose, it was just such a hotly debated topic. And, um, you know, we acknowledge there's pressure every week playing this game. Win or lose, there's pressure. But, yeah, I feel like we're handling it better as a group as well.
4: Have you ever developed a theory as to why Nathan Buckley is such a figure of fascination in the broader footy landscape?
8: Uh, I, don't, no, I don't really get it. I think it's maybe from his playing days. Um whether that's continued into coaching or, or whatever, but um, you know, as a playing group, as a club, we, you know, it's, it is external noise, and we're just really focusing on, I suppose, our, our little bubble inside and trying to get our process right.
0: Uh, Brody Grundy, Kane said earlier he thought he, he is pretty close to being the number one ruckman in the game. Do you think that's something that he? Well, is he there yet? Is he is he pretty close? And is it something that you know he's got the the drive to be?
8: Um, oh he's got the drive to be the number one ruckman in the cop, no doubt, but I think it's it's probably like trying to be it's a never ending target, really. Um every week no matter how well you play there's always another week that you've got to butter up and another opposition and um you can yeah, I, I love that that's his goal and I think he's you know, he's, he's really close but every week is a new challenge, a fresh challenge and um you know, if he wants to be the number one ruckman, it's going to be a goal that he's he's going to be trying to reach the rest of his career. Because as I said, every week a new challenge. And um, you know, when you do become that number one ruckman, there's people that want to knock you off your block. So you've got to be on your game. And he's been fantastic. He's had you know a great three or four years now in a row. And um, he sets the tone for our midfield group.
4: And you mentioned earlier, Jordan Degowie comes back through the VFL today, and then tries to reclaim his place in the senior group. Just give us an insight into what your relationship has been with him uh, during the period of time from the the drink driving offence to the uh, the club suspension, and then on to now.
8: Yeah, I suppose initially there's a few um, you know really honest conversations that you have, have with Geordie and then um, then it's just one of support and uh, and guidance, and and trying to help. Geordie become making just better decisions away from the football club, and um, you know it's it's going to be an ongoing process. It's not something that you know now that he's back playing footy is all is forgotten, and um, you know we've noticed a, a really distinct shift since he's been back. Um, just his attention to detail. He's you know, a 21 year old kid who's who's trying to who's been asked to be the most professional player he can be, and, and that's what we expect. And um, he certainly made some great inroads, and it's great to see him back, you know, playing footy because. Getting something taken away from you that you love really hurts, and uh, no doubt he'll enjoy today. But it's not, it's not so much about the footy with Geordie. It's it's those you know, little goals that he's now setting along the way that are that are really helping to become you know the complete person. So
4: you've played a role in making him accountable to that. Um, <laughs> but do you have sort of an emotional stake in hoping that he's able to achieve it?
8: Oh, absolutely. There's probably no one on the list more that I want to achieve because. You invest so much time and effort into him, and um, you know he's, an, he's a really gifted player. I think that he can go to the next level if he if he uh, if he really values this stuff. And it looks like you know the sort of the pennies drop. We we hear that all the time, but it looks like he's made a shift. And um, yeah, you know even at training, there's you know there is a little bit of a, a new Geordie, so to speak, in the way he attacks it and and how disciplined he's become with with role and playing uh, all sides of the game as well as something that hopefully we see when, when he does come back into the senior side, whether that's Friday against the Crows or Anzac Day, whenever it's uh, whenever his number gets called.
0: Scott, we appreciate your, your time and your insights and your honesty as always. Well done last night and with the Crouch brothers both out at the moment, uh, we'll let you go and look at the tapes of Rory Sloan and get ready for your next tagging job. Thanks for joining yeah, us.
8: thanks Scott. Appreciate it. <laughs> Cheers.
1: On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's 2017
4: runout. out Bolt. Brendan Bolton and the Carlton coach will be our guest reflecting on last night. But at the MCG this afternoon, Melbourne will look to break what is quite an extraordinary hoodoo, which now dates back to 2006 against North Melbourne. It's already been a significant week for the Demons as they pledge to rid themselves of pokies revenue. I think they might have misrepresentation on the... Competition committee as well. Peter Jackson, the chief executive of the Demons. Peter, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. How did you miss a spot on the competition committee? Oh, I don't know.
7: Ask the people that uh, f- uh, decided the names. Um, Were you at all clubs. peeved? Oh, I don't get peeved about those things. I mean, the most important thing is that that committee has some teeth and gets listened to, and it's just not a consultative process that's there to make it look all right. As long as it, as long as it has some um, influence, that's fine.
4: Yeah, you're optimistic. I mean, there's a, lot about of good, it?
7: there's a lot of good football people. Uh, around that could go on it. For everyone that's on it, there's probably another two that could easily be on it. So you can't pick everybody. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Are you optimistic about them? About it? Uh, give them the benefit of the doubt to start with and hope it, <laughs> hope it works out the way uh, it's being talked about, yeah.
4: That do doesn't you, sound very optimistic <laughs> to me. Do you sense uh, a willingness for change at head office? Is that part of this, do you think? A change
7: in what sense?
4: Uh, probably in the broad setup of the competition, maybe to be a bit more imaginative, a bit bolder, maybe modernise the competition?
7: Well, I guess it depends what all those words mean, Jared. I mean, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I mean, I, I, I think we have a great, unique game... Uh, That's not played anywhere else in the world, obviously, but it's got some really unique characteristics to it. And I think we get worried too much about little things. I think head office does a little bit, you know, bouncing the ball and, you know, runners and things like that. And we spend our time talking about all that sort of stuff, but we have such a unique game. Why don't we promote the uniqueness of it all and and understand what it is? I I would hate, for example, to lose the bounce of the ball, but not that that's got anything to do with the committee. I understand that, but I'm just... uh, Making the point. I just don't think you want to mess around with it too much. So it depends what you mean when you say modernise and things like that. Yeah,
4: it's just sort of the vibe,
7: I reckon. Yeah, I'm not a traditionalist for the sake of it. I don't want, you know, I I think all through my career in football, I've demonstrated that we change things up and change things around and innovate. I'm I'm all for that. But I just think this game is so unique that we should be building it on the unique parts of the game rather than trying to, I don't know, sterilise it or, or make it too many rules and regulations about how you do it are there specific things that don't get
0: enough love or promotion of the unique aspect of the game
7: uh no i think we worry too much about what goes wrong uh and i think i think the game well i don't think the game i know the game's built around chaos it's a chaotic game and and it's probably one of the only sports if there's another one i don't know what it is where rules are open to interpretation they're not definitive so you get three umpires out on the ground and they've got to interpret a situation. It's not such a definitive thing as offside or whatever else other sports play. And, and so you get all that interpretation, you get that chaos, you've got a crazy ball bouncing all over the place. It's just That's part of what makes it so exciting. You can't legislate to to take that out of the game, I don't think. You're taking pokies out of the club. Yeah. Is How much of that is
4: the acknowledgement that it's not the right thing for footy clubs now, given the societal impacts?
1: Oh, it's,
7: it's both things, Jared. I mean, it's not that is absolutely an issue, and we've had a very uh, positive response from people over that. Um, you know, footy clubs are owned by the community. You know, supporters are just members of the community who decide to support us and put their money into the club. So we've got to be aware of what community sentiment is, absolutely. And, and the AFL generally is pretty good at that. But it's also it was a business analysis. I mean, we looked at, um, we started this process 18 months ago of looking where we were and where, where we were in gaming and asked ourselves whether it's something we wanted to be in as much as, as a business issue. And um, we thought not because uh, I think the, this footy club's got a, a great uh, opportunity over the next five to 25 years uh, to set itself up, which it's never had before as a football club. Uh, and I mean by that. We're heading hopefully to a pretty good football team over the next few years, but we've also got some good capital assets that will be, allow us to invest and, and reshape what the football club looks like and which I think will then allow the club to stand alone for, as an independent organisation for you know, the next 25 years or so, which it really hasn't, hasn't been for, probably since it walked away from the MCC, is what I understand. So you know, I think there's those opportunities, and if you look at gaming, I think it's it's a, it's it's going to be a tough industry. I think it's an industry football clubs should be distracted into. We our core business is winning games of footy out here, and we don't want our management resources, our executive, um, you know effort diluted in that sort of business I don't think we're very good at it so let's get out of it and do what we're good at do you think other
4: clubs are going to so now North Melbourne and Melbourne do you think other clubs will under the almost the, the encouragement of the chairman of the AFL will, will get themselves out of pokies in the short term
7: oh uh, I don't know I can't speak for them and it wouldn't be appropriate for me to even not suggest to offer advice I'll never do that but I I mean one one way I express it is we we see Melbourne's in a a commercial evolution at the moment and um, we're not anywhere near our peak commercially. So we actually can make this decision. People ask us, well, you know, it's $2 million of net revenue a year. How are you going to replace that? Well, I think it's easy. I think over the next three or four years that will be easy. And one of the reasons is the opportunity and one of the reasons, the capital opportunity I talked about. And the other one is because we haven't really touched the edge a bit about growing this club commercially off its football So we're we're still sort of immature, if I can put it that way, commercially, whereas some other clubs are at their peak commercially. And so if you want to take 3 or $4 million out of that P&L account, it it ironically might be a lot harder for them. And the thing everyone's got to respect is that directors, boards, have got to maintain the financial sustainability of their footy club for their members. That's what their role in life is. So it's not going to be as easy for some clubs just to make a, a decision based on community sentiment, I don't think.
5: What's been the wash-up with the, the pre-season camp? I know it's been spoken about a lot, but now Adelaide as well in the same conversation. Have Just you, what you need uh, to keep the story have you, going. have you cast your eye across their issues that they've had? and um, Not really. What, no, what, no, are no, the le- what are the learnings out of it?
7: Well, to be honest, the only thing we, we talk about is responding to questions like this, and I don't mean to be, you know, flippant or rude about that, but we, we sorted it out in our own minds.
5: But it's going to, it's going to keep coming up, If you form... Even last week, if if, they just say if Brisbane had have lost that game, it's going to keep coming up because the... the the link to the mental fragility, I guess, of the group is gone. Yeah, to look, I don't
7: up. think anything that happened last week was related to mental fragility, related to a you know, and an mm. special ops. But can. you understand it would come up. Oh, I, I understand the question will get asked, but I don't agree in any sense that there's a link. I mean, this footy team is a hard football team. There's no doubt about that. You know, we we saw that, and we dropped off for a quarter against Geelong, and we dropped off for a quarter over, over a period of time against uh, Brisbane and and club. Yeah, yeah. these these teams aren't. They're pretty good football teams, they've got some damn good players and I think Brisbane's going to end up on reflection at the end of the year being a lot better football team than what people might have given credit to, to at the beginning of the year. They've got some damn good players there and you take your eye off, off that for a game, yeah, and we've got a very young list still and I don't think it's got anything to do with the physicality. Or the, we, We've got a very hard footy team we are going to play very hard competitive contested footy and that's, that's what their trademark is and they'll keep doing that. They'll do it for longer in a game, and I just, we just don't think it's an issue. Are there tensions with the Players Association? Is that part real? No. Well, we all think we could have handled it a little bit differently at the time, but that time was five months ago, Jared. I mean, you know, we, we move on. No. We, we, we all agree we might have done a little bit differently at that time. The players do. The leadership group does. PA might. We do. So, yeah, we did. We learn. You move on. But it's not an issue within the footy club. Peter Jackson's the Chief Executive of Melbourne. Bob Murphy.
2: Last week, the win against Brisbane, although the boys got the wobbles a little bit late, but you went in as favourites. You go in as hot favourites again today. Have you got a sense of the playing group that they're going in with that pressure on as the, you know, need to win? Is that is that sitting more comfortably on the shoulders of the players, do you think? Uh,
7: yeah, look, I think there was... Uh... A clear correlation over the last two years that we played better against teams we weren't expected to beat and didn't play well against teams that we started favour. That that correlation exists. That's just reality. Now, why that happens, and you know, it, there's a lot of people have different opinions about it. But um, I do think it sits better. I think that it's all called maturity, Bob. I think that's what they're doing. I mean, you know, we all forget what we were like, and maybe even foot, past footballers forget what they were like when they were 17, 18, 20, those sort of things, and. You know, it takes time to mature in every aspect of the game, physically, mentally, the whole lot, and we're going through that process, and I think we're getting there.
2: One um, of your... Yeah, sorry, sorry to cut you off repeat right. uh, One of your young leaders who's not with you at on the field at the moment, Jack Viney, I'm, I'm intrigued as to how he's handling his responsibilities as a leader without without being to impose himself on the, on the field. He seems like a, a lead-by-example kind yeah. of leader without knowing him too well. How's he coping off the field?
7: I, I reckon that's... A a very good observation uh, Bob and while, whilst we would prefer him to be out there absolutely I think what's happening at the moment is great for his personal development as a leader because he's having to lead from a different uh, dimension to what he had, would normally do which is get out there and crash and bang and show the way and uh, so yeah he's around the place and he's having a lot more influence a lot more conversations with players and a whole range of players now because he's got the time to do it and I think he's I think it'll stand him in good stead although I wish he was playing do
0: you have any any uh, spare time, any extra conversations
7: with his old mate
0: Ollie Wines to see if he might want to come over?
7: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that'd be nice to have Ollie, but I'm sure he, I'm sure he's you know emotionally deeply ensconced in the Port Adelaide Footy Club. So,
0: have you got any room at the end to be aggressive again? Obviously, you, you went for, for Lever successfully.
7: Oh yeah, we got we got room to do what what you know to to grab a free agent type player. Um, absolutely, but. You know, what we've got to do is not look at just the 2019 season and whether you can do that. We've got to look at where we might be in 2022. So if, we, if we've if we got the talent that we think we have and, and we want to keep them together, we've got to look after them all. So it's going to be it's a longer-term look than just what can you do next year. It has to, you know, the ramifications for two or three years beyond that, we have to understand that as well. What's Simon Goodwin's biggest challenge at the moment as coach? Oh, I don't know. I haven't, yeah, um, I haven't thought that one through. I don't, I don't think it in that sort of context. I think he's got a... One of his great strengths is his relationships with his players, and he's built spent a lot of time over the last two years doing that, and it was good reading Clayton Oliver's article today about that sort of thing. I mean, that's what Simon invests very, very heavily in is those relationships. So I think if he's, if he's got very strong relationships with the players and anything that happens, whether it's feedback, selection camps or whatever else, it can always stand that, that test and uh, so I think his challenge I, I guess if his challenge is to um, is keep doing those things even when the pressure comes on and not just try and work harder but keep doing what he's doing at the moment Peter, good to see you, good luck this afternoon
1: On 11.16 SEM the award winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 runout.
4: time in the aftermath of Friday Night Footy, Collingwood's first win of the season as they down Carlton. This morning our guest has been Collingwood captain Scott Pendlebury. And he said uh, he'd enjoyed his run-with role on uh, Patrick Cripps and it was the first time he'd been the the faux run-with, as it were. Yeah, it was
8: definitely when when Nathan spoke to me earlier in the week. It was, um, you know, I've never done a, a pseudo run with before in my career so um you know but i've had i've had guys run with me and i, I know what i found hard so i just tried to implement a few of those things and looked at his gold coast tape and um watched some of the work the gold coast players did on him around stoppage and yeah I really just tried my best to nullify him around the stoppage and then um yeah just had trust in the other boys that they'll get it done around around the stoppages for us
4: Scott Pendlebury with us on Crunch Time. Jared Whaley, Anthony Hudson, Bob Murphy and a man who would know a thing or two about that, Kane Corns. Well,
5: it must be a reaction to the first game against Tom Mitchell it was heavily critical of the Magpies and their midfield for the lack of respect they showed Tom Mitchell with the amount of footy they got. So in hindsight, I bet they wish they'd put Pendlebury to Mitchell at least half time of that uh, that game where he did break the record. So it's good to show they've learned from that and are starting to show some accountability and it clearly worked for them last night. But are we going to see this often, do you think, with Collingwood? I hope so. I hope so. And it's not every week, is it? And, and it's not even it's not even for the 420 minutes. It's just that stoppage and it's just some accountability. He spoke about Cripps averaging eight clearances per game. Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head what uh, Tom Mitchell is averaging, but it's it's close to 10, I would think. So uh, it's good to see that there is um, that role still to play. I thought Jacobs did it well against Seb Ross last week and Uh, We've seen a a few other players do it. So it's great to see a five-time All-Australian, five-time Copeland Trophy winner sacrifice his game for the better men of the team.
4: So Brendan Bolton, the Carlton coach, will join us shortly. The three key takeaways out of last night. Bob, do you feel like Collingwood is now more capable of absorbing what you refer to as the heightened atmosphere this year and not running aground?
2: I I definitely think so. I just think having having a, a one in the wins column now just takes takes a little bit of the, the the venom out of that out of that pressure that now they're they one and two but the, the their loss last week was a really solid one so I think now they can get a bit of traction on the ground and and life goes back to normal or or Collingwood normal and you came
5: well I'm still a bit Concerned about them. Look, I, you know, the next three are critical. I don't see them winning next week. That game against Destin and Nanzak Day is just is just huge. So um, they need to be. I think they need to split it sort of three and three after six. And and I'm a little bit with you, Jared. I think 11 wins is is the pass mark for me. I wouldn't want them to win any less than that. I, I don't see them playing finals, but um, certainly takes a, a huge amount of pressure off. Because can you imagine the the discussion we would be having this morning if it was Collingwood on the other side of that loss? Last night, so uh, it's good for them and it's good for their supporters
4: to, to get on the board. Bob Sam Murray's a bit of a goer out of half back.
2: Oh. I've said it for a long while, and and there was a, a glancing blow by Kane earlier, sort of ridiculing <laughs> defenders. But I we those of us I meant key defenders. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well you've got to be very specific. Okay. we devin- we defenders get a bit we get a bit uppity <laughs> defensive when we hear things like that. Yeah, yeah. no, he, he was was he was he was great last night. He um to that was that was a thing that you know for collingwood that 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 run they had last night was not something that i'd seen from them for for quite a while so uh, a great, a great acquisition. Uh, there was another. Who else was out there? Uh, I, it was good to see Aish as well, just to give them a, a bit of run. And but yeah, the halfback from from Murray was great.
5: What about Carlton, Bob? Should we be speaking more about them and uh, how you will speak to Brendan Bolton very shortly? But how you can allow ten consecutive goals uh, from traditionally a pretty strong defensive unit last year, despite their scoring woes. But how concerned are you about them?
2: Yeah, I, I'm really sympathetic towards Brendan Bolton at the moment, just because. And I had a really good look at them last week against against the Gold Coast, and you can put all the plans in in the world in place, but the the I don't think the the, the basics at the moment of executed by by Carlton, the, the, it's not actually at AFL standard. That the clean hands and the just the ability to get both hands on the ball. The other thing I was worried about, I think Liam Jones, he, he's He's really a symbol at the moment of the lack of pressure through, through the middle of the ground for Carlton at the moment. He, Liam plays in a sim, not in a way not dissimilar to Brian Lake had in previous years where when there's pressure on the footy and the ball comes in high... He's, he looks like a star, but when the, when the ball just moves through the ground with ease, they, they just sort of they play through him, and, and that was, a, again, the case last night, as it was the week before. So, Do you think uh, Brendan will on. ask him, do you think that they'll have faith in, in Liam and
0: keep... I mean, they've signed him to an extended period of t- contract and, and the injury to Marchbank uh, potentially uh, confuses things a little, but do you think they'll keep the faith with him?
2: Oh, I I'm I think we should ask him. I'm, I'm really interested to know how he sees it Liam's obviously down on confidence as is as is Jacob Weedering as well a, a young defender uh, they both are crippled by with their confidence at the moment but with you know they obviously set themselves up to, to play with a lot of pressure on the ball and and quite clearly at the moment there's there's little to, to no pressure on the ball and they're and they're being carved up as a result
0: Kane do you think he'll have to rethink their zone defense at all or defense?
5: Well, I said it last week. Yeah, I think it's down to the individual. If it's not working for you trying to come off and read the ball and it's clearly not because I had some look at his vision last week at Liam Jones and even round one he was well beaten. You've just got to go back to playing a bit more one-on-one aggressive style of footy and he hasn't adjusted and didn't do that last night. And but Whose decision is that? Well, it's got to be his, doesn't it?
0: It's, is got, it? It? it's, I mean, got, it's got to fit into the structure that they're it, playing. It
5: does, but you need to have a feel for the game. Now, if you're getting beaten playing one way, you You've got to adjust that that's that's any player that's a forward if you if you're not winning the one-on-one contest you lead up at the footy if you're not leading up and it's been successful you try and get him over the back i think that's an in-game adjustment that you need to make and it comes with maturity but uh, interesting to hear scott pendlebury say that they've already exposed him and they've already identified liam jones as a player that they can play through so uh, other side's going to come for him and, and clearly it's not been unnoticed by opposition clubs
0: yeah, so it's going to be very interesting to see and, and uh, what Carlton do from here and what their approach is. I mean, the, the, the upper end, the talent that they've got, isn't that's surely enough to keep the, the faithful yep. going for a bit longer because you can see already in Kurnow and Cripps mm. and. A tease from petrescu seaton and from Dow even last night. You can see what's there, but how this all comes together over what period of time is is still a uh, forever question. I just
5: wonder as well whether they've missed a a bit of a trick and I I thought GWS when they had all this young talent, they did very very well right from the start of surrounding them by bigger bodies experienced players like even way back when my brother went up there Luke Power Dean Brogan these types of guys right through to Stevie J, and you know some haven't worked with Deledio and Griffin now but uh, do you need to surround them by some more experience are there some players I mean Brisbane go and get Luke Hodge well perfect Does, does Carlton need someone like that they cost you nothing You pick up at the listed free agent, gives you some experience, some leadership, and perhaps we can ask Brendan.
0: Yeah, we can. We can because he's on the line and he he joins us uh, on this Saturday afternoon. Uh, Brendan, uh, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks for being with us.
6: Thanks for having me on, gents.
0: How are you, Hello. I'm good. It's obviously not the greatest morning when you lose like you did last night, but uh, just as Bucks sort of wasn't too happy with the second half, I guess there was reasons to be pleased that you
6: didn't just lie down. Yeah, um, obviously after a loss... um You can get a little bit clouded with the emotion and there's always some um, good and some growth areas in any game. I suppose the things that we can take out of it was that we had 21 scoring shots. They had 20, but obviously they kicked pretty accurately, 16-4. We won the inside 50s for for another week, so 55 inside 50s and uh, won the second half. So they're they're the positive takeaways, but in saying that, we're under no illusions. There's, um, There's a lot of work to do. We gave up Far too many uncontested marks and conceded five goals in that second term, um, so we've got some work to do.
0: Take us inside the coaching box if you can in, during that period where uh, you've conceded ten consecutive goals. What sort of things were really you know uh, the real triggers that you had to get on top of?
6: Yeah, mainly uh, they got outside us a fair bit. So I've just alluded to the uncontested marks and. Um, you know, we moved a few numbers around to try and um, contain the ball, and um, a lot of players just caught in between. So, um, yeah, we're well, moving the moving the magnets around and the positions in terms of structure and trying to contain some of their uncontested marks and hold them inside at stoppage but uh, got hurt
5: at that time. Brendan, you've mentioned some positive stats. I guess uh, on the flip side the 89 less disposals that you've spoken about but how you can also lose the tackles by 16 despite the fact that you didn't have the amount of footy. Uh, can you explain that one for us and how disappointing?
6: Yeah, no, we uh, we think we're getting a little bit caught in between. Our guys are learning to play our, uh, our team defence, particularly some of the guys with less experience. and um, Yeah, I thought that we gave them a little bit too much space when they had the ball in hand, um, hence the uncontested marks, and you probably didn't get yourself in a position to to lay tackles when, when you're doing that. That's probably as simple as it needs to be, Kane.
5: Yeah, and uh, the defence as well we've spoken about a
6: bit. Uh, how concerned are you about it with the form of Wiedering and also Jones? Oh, listen, I think um, some of the time when the ball rips in there really quick, it's difficult as a defender because it's coming at you so fast with not a lot of delay. So there's some times where um, you obviously don't see it on the screen all the time where it's up the field, but mm. um, this is a young fella. He, he made he uh, got a few intercepts last night, so there were some little steps in the right direction. And um, You know, Jones is uh, a guy that we've seen play some fantastic footy, but uh, he'd probably just been a little bit too exuberant in the last... Uh, Last few weeks.
5: When you say exuberant, that is trying to play that attacking style the whole time and coming off his man and attacking the footy just hasn't worked for him. Is that an adjustment he needs to make, or you've spoken about him and instructing him on how you'd like him to play now moving forward? No, it's just
6: the, that balance between uh, when to press and go and when to hold. So um, yeah, time's probably got that little balance um, wrong a bit, like our whole team, probably indicative of our team there in that in that space.
2: Brendan, uh, can you give us a on where Matthew Cruiser is at the moment. He, he seems to be nursing the groin soreness that, that flared up in round one. You've had a couple of ruckmen uh, dominate the last couple of weeks. How, how's he holding up?
6: Now, obviously, he missed uh, last week. He, he's, uh, he's a real soldier. He actually pressed to, to play. Um, now, he got through all right last night, probably tired a little bit in the last quarter, but, uh, no, his body's pretty sound now. Uh,
2: so... so um, uh, the capitalising on the on the good starts. that's round one and round and round three now, where you got out of the blocks and then the. Is that is that do you put that just under some, some immaturity in the group?
6: Yeah, well, we've looked at those uh, those times and they're just. As I uh, spoke last night in the press, they're just a lot of little fundamental errors. It's not like there's a distinct pattern of something going wrong. It's just being able to execute at the right time and um you know we've just uh, we just need to capitalize on those those times when we are in front and um hold on to that that lead at quarter time because it gives you good momentum and mindset going into the next break
5: defensively you've been strong last year uh, this year perhaps not so and Hutto did mention the 10 unanswered goals that that can't be in your makeup and your coaching philosophy uh, does that
6: one sting <laughs> any score against things came so uh we don't like uh, opposition scoring at all. Um, we thought we'd limit them a little bit to inside 50s last night, like we cut them down to about 50. But, mm. um, yeah, they, they did score. They kicked quite accurately, 16-4. So um, that's I've said a number of times now. Um, when you open up offence, you can leak de- uh, defensively if you don't get the balance right. So our guys are just learning to adjust to that at the moment. Did you get the balance right in the pre-season then? Sorry, what was the question? Did you get
5: the balance between improving your offence and continuing the strong defence right in the preseason?
6: We know what it takes, it's, uh, and we have done it. Um, it's not like you go a whole game where you're not defending at all. It's all about the consistency to be able to execute it over and over again. So that's a when you play uh, zone defence, it uh, takes a bit of time and practice. So to perfect it, um, you need 18 players all in synergy, and it's just taking a bit of time, but we're not going to
4: deviate from it. Is your development where you expect it to be, Brendan, at the moment? Uh, well, on the on the win loss, that always um, frustrates you because we're all
6: looking to, to win games. Um, what our supporters need to hear, Gerard, is we're never going to accept defeat. Um, we'll hold our players to really high standards in our reviews and be really accountable, and um, we'll roll our sleeves up to try and try and get the wins. Um, we do need to understand as a reality that we're into
4: our third year of, um, of this plan, but we are, are not going to deviate. So in that reality, is it counterproductive to be on Friday night footy? I
6: think those opportunities for us um, are, are great growth opportunities. Um, you get uh, guys... I think last night we probably had somewhere around... I'd have to check the figures exactly, but eight or nine guys around uh, 25 games or less, so... Playing on the stage is the best learning. You can't do, replicate that at training. So for us, um, we feel that that only sets us up for our, our future and um, weeks to come.
0: How fine a line is, is getting that right attitude with the, you obviously don't want to make excuses for the youth, but you, have to still, you still have to hold them accountable, But versus that reality of, of where you are, actually are.
6: Yeah, well, our players and our leaders have requested really strongly and I agree with them that uh, anything around system that they need to improve and grow at, we uh, we keep showing and um, putting it in front of them and anything around effort we need to challenge significantly if required, but when the effort's there, also celebrate it. So um, we don't make it too more complex than that. Um, effort positive, let's celebrate it, if not, let's challenge and anything system related, let's just uh, keep replicating and going over and over until it becomes a real habit.
4: That's it. Can you sense yourself, Brendan, getting impatient or do you have a really good picture of how long it's going to take to, to develop each facet that you've been expanding upon here?
6: No, I understood uh, in that very long process, uh, I went through uh, two and a bit years ago Jared, what it was going to take um, that was actually the attraction of Um, going to Carlton, taking something from nothing um, where we bottomed out to uh, where we want to get to and part of that was going to the draft and um, we know that that takes some time but in saying that as a coach and a playing group um, as I've already alluded to um, the only way to do that as quickly as you can is to hold really high standards and rest assured we're doing that back in the four walls of Carlton Is there an opportunity
5: to Bring in a Luke Hodge-style player or, or someone with experience. That a uh, Jordan Lewis, you, you know the type of player that I'm talking about. Would that help your group right now? They're
6: hard to find, Kane. To see, uh, <laughs> Luke Hodges. There's not many of those rolling around. Um, no, we're, we're impressed with our um, our leaders. Um, you know, even last night, if you look at some of the tackle council, though it didn't go in our favour, Murphy, Cruiser, um, you know, they Ed Kooner, they had reasonable tackle counts and are holding and showing our players the way by and large. They've been our better players for a few years, but um, more experience in and around them can only help. Um, it's got to be the right fit for us, and it's got to be the right fit for the individual players. So in simple terms, we like the leadership we've got right now, and we're open-minded to any that want to come, provided it fits what we're after. Hey, Levi, Casbolt's goalkeeper he looks magnificent. What have you done to him? <laughs> <laughs> Just again, it shows the power of the mind, isn't it? Um, that's one thing that um, any coach in Australia, if they can untap that around goal kicking, I think they'll be earning a lot of money. But uh, Levi's worked incredibly hard with Sav and he, he's always been uh, working hard in spite of um, some inconsistent results with goal kicking. He, what we can say is he just uh, he keeps trialling at, at, uh, on the track with Sav and um, he got some results last night, which I'm really pleased for.
0: You came out, just back to the, your defence, Brennan, you came out last week really strongly in support of Jacob Wietering earlier in the week when there was speculation that you might look to put him back to the VFL. Are you going to show the same faith in Liam Jones? We've all loved his story, but it appears now, and you talked about the adjustments that need to be made, but opposition teams, uh, certainly last night anyway, were targeting him in, in the, in the play they were trying to work onto him and, and, and try and uh, work those vulnerabilities in the way he was playing.
6: Um, you're asking, am I going to put him to the VFL? Yeah. No, we're not going to put him to the VFL. There's uh, we analyse um, his game strongly. There's some times where he can adjust when to press and when not to, but um, there's also some areas up upfield to break down. So um, it's not always just Liam. Um, he's got a real strong growth mindset, and I'm sure working hard with Cameron Bruce in the next few weeks, he'll he'll get himself to the level he wants and we require.
0: And Caleb Marchbank left the ground last night. Uh, Is he in doubt for for the next week?
6: Yeah, there's always doubt when they don't complete um, a full game. That's probably the rule of thumb there. Um, But we'll give him every chance and hopefully he comes up.
0: Brendan, we appreciate your time. It's a long year ahead. And uh, obviously uh, there were some positive signs last night. So let's hope that uh, you can get that uh, W very soon.
6: Thanks for having me on cheers guys
0: Brendan Bolton joining us there at 18 minutes past 12 our special guest on Crunch Time uh, for Honda Honda's 2017 run out is now on visit au slash offers what do we make
4: of all that well their next three offers them a chance to win a game uh, and a couple of wins would be helpful wouldn't they so they've got North Melbourne and Hobart West Coast at the MCG Bulldogs at Etihad, is they would want to pick up one of those because from there on the way to the by it's Adelaide, Essendon, Melbourne, Geelong and Sydney and they're going to run heavy underdogs in in all of those. What? what,
2: what sorry, Bob. No, I was just the, they get a, you know the the key defenders with Jones and Weeding they, they go straight back into it next week though. We look at North Melbourne as a very much a winnable game but but you know Wait and and Ben Brown you know they mm. pose they pose as as good a double double sort of threat as there is.
5: I love that as well the commitment to to a player uh, that that's what you want to hear if you're Liam Jones right now that the coach I can just I can relax this week I can sleep I don't have to worry about my spot I'm going to go about working on my craft to try and get better so I think that's a strong commitment to the the plan that he wants to go on. Uh, yes, it's got some work, and we'll be the judge of that, whether it does work. But the fact that he's committed only early on in the season is, is a big tick for me.
0: How much did you, how quickly after a game <laughs> finished,
5: did you start thinking well, about
0: next week, Kane? Well, I, I used to watch,
5: um, say if we were playing on a Sunday, I'd watch the team that we were playing the next week and I'd already be thinking before it even played the game about the following week but I was I was staggered by Pendlebury Bob saying that 30 minutes they're only allowed I was always a Tuesday sort of a guy so once <laughs> uh, once Tuesday came around I'd focus on the next week but uh, what about yourself
2: uh it, it, it's it's pretty hard on IFL players isn't they get <laughs> 30 30 minutes, 30 minutes to, and and That's... it didn't even sound that enjoyable did it no. sitting sitting around in the locker room having a bit of a chat okay and then we go into to go straight back into the furnace. So it's No, I think you, you've got to be a little bit more human than that and um, put your feet up for for a day or so. It
4: was better than
5: the
2: five minutes it they allowed themselves
5: last year. <laughs>
2: Not <laughs> even
0: that, by the sound of it. Uh, by the way, we got that injury update a moment ago from... Uh, well, sort of, anyway, from Brendan Bolton, the ankle injury to Caleb Marchbank. There's a rumour Tim Membury could be under an injury cloud tonight for St Kilda's game against the Adelaide Crows. And our injury updates are brought to you by Arnold, Thomas and Becker. Arnold, Thomas and Becker over 50 years experience in personal injury law.
4: We're going to stray to the crunch shortly and the headline act is going to be Alistair Clarkson and Chris Scott. So Chris Scott's had a good crack back before Ooh, getting whoa. on the plane to Avalon after Clarkson very casually suggested that... Joel Selwood had suffered 10 concussions across his career and he gets them because he, he ducks and shrugs for free kicks, uh, which is factually incorrect. And I think Chris Scott's had a, had a good dip. So we'll get the update on that shortly. Bob, just on the Bulldogs, as Luke Beveridge has spoken this morning. So he's been a, a, a small target during the week, but there's been so much discussion around the dogs. On the current situation at Witten Oval, this is what he had to say.
7: Yeah, well, I think when you're not going so well, you... You look around for signs of fractures and, and people leaving the reservation, and I've never seen that. We've been through some challenging times. I mean, this is the most challenging. There's no doubt. Let's let's be honest. But um, we've been through some times when we've lost, you know, four in a row, and, and it hasn't been so good. But not once has anyone um, deviated from what we're trying to achieve. And although it's a little bit different at the moment, um, I can hand on heart say that. Everyone's still really focused. You know, there's a really healthy working relationship between the, the layers and the, the powers in the football club, but there's no doubt when, you, when you're not going so well on field, it puts a lot of pressure on our administration.
4: So that's the coach's response to the suggestions of dissent and unrest early in the season. How have you read all of that, Bob?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I'm from the point of view of, like, I, I'm as surprised and, and sort of shocked as, as where the boys are on the field, in terms of their form, it's been it's been a disastrous start in in rounds one and two. But the 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 talk of descent um, has kind of well, it's really surprised me. I just sort of think there there might be some awfully thin threads that are being uh, tried to tie together to make some rope. That's that's definitely not the um, not the not the word that I've heard or, or anything like that. It's a it's a solid group, a, a solid footy club. It's just the form at the moment's not even not even nearly You're there.
0: You still talking to your old mates there, eh? To get that information?
2: <laughs> oh, they, they still talk to me, hello, and I still talk to them. Yeah, I think we're still allowed to have mates, aren't we? I, yeah. yeah, I just just till I... you bag them in round <laughs> six, and then they won't talk to you. Oh, well, they sort of they don't. I'm not sure. Sometimes your mates, you don't even get along with your mates in footy clubs. Uh, But the idea of the players being dissent and,
4: you know, that they've lost faith in the coach, that that jars, to me, as being completely untrue. They're going to be frighteningly young again, even younger than they have been in the first two rounds. Uh, They're averaging 59.5 games a player in the team that will take the field, and the only two teams in recent times that have had that profile or or less was Brisbane in rounds 9 and 10 last year. So you know partly by choice there are more experienced players who could be playing notwithstanding there's a few who have been brought in they are they are so thin in what takes the field in terms of experience
2: yeah I, i guess it's not so much the general lack of experience that that worries me so much as the where 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 that lack of experience is and it's it looks to me like it's a lot of it's in the back line which which was the strength of the bulldogs for the last three years and As a as a supporter of the bulldog, Essendon sort of sends a shiver up my spine because they do you know they'll play at Etihad tomorrow, so they'll get a fast track, um, and they've got and they Essendon run really well. They cover the ground, but they've got big big forwards who, who mark the ball, and that's been a bit of an Achilles heel for the dogs this year.
5: Bob, how bad? Uh, must Tom Boyd be going? Trengove's injured. Head is in- injured. They're both playing his position, and he still can't get a game. He's named as emergency. Yeah, what's the inside word on on just what is going on with Tom Boyd?
2: No, well, I don't. I don't have the inside word, Cam. Oh, yeah. you, oh, you just said a were... minute ago. <laughs> well, I said they still talk to me, but I, they don't <laughs> talk to me about how how Tom whether Tom Boyd's in and why he isn't, you know, oh. or, or whatnot. Uh, look, I don't know. It's a, it's a massive concern because he. He certainly should be in the side, and if he's if he's going anywhere near his capacity, he'd, he'd, he'd be one of the first picks. So, yeah, it's a big worry. Oh, All right, we'll talk more about the Bulldogs and the Bombers in the
0: Crunch, which is coming up. But stay with us. You want to hear the response from Chris Scott to Alistair Clarkson uh, because it is strong and it is next here on Crunch Time with thanks to Honda, Honda's 2017 run-out sale on now.
1: on 11.16 SEM the award winning crunch time for Honda's 2017 run out
2: and Joel's had it himself Like he's going to keep playing like a bull in that sort of manner whilst he can continue to get those sorts of free kicks but he's had 10 concussions in his career or thereabouts um, the concern isn't for him right now, the concern is for him and the game in 10, 15, 20 years time and if we want to do something about concussion then we should be um, policing the game in a manner that dropping the knees, shrugging the shoulders, raising the arm, ducking the head, all those sorts of things. We could we could get out of the game really, really
3: quickly if we are a fair about it. That was Alistair Clarkson
4: at his press conference yesterday, the Hawthorne coach, and it has sparked a reply from Geelong. You'll hear from Chris Scott in a moment as we launch into the crunch, but before we do, Mitch Cleary from afl.com.au headed out to Avalon. Set the scene for us, Mitch, as to how the Cats coach has responded.
3: Good afternoon, Jared And guys, yeah, he was pretty seething this morning, uh, Chris Scott and Alistair Clarkson, well in his sights. I think he's most upset about the comparisons of Selwood shrugging, leading to concussion. I think after that uh, James Sicily incident last week, as you're about to hear, uh, Chris Scott didn't want the two compared after seeing James Sicily suspended for a week from that knee.
4: So how did he go about his press conference? He
3: basically lined up Clarkson saying he's been using alternative facts, was the line that that came out of it. Yesterday, Clarkson, as you heard, uh, used the 10 concussion uh, mark as as the figure for Joel sold over his career. Uh, He said that it's only been three across Joel's career. So um, basically not wanting to compare the fact that Joel shrugs for tackles uh, with his concussion, saying that they're two separate uh, comparisons and uh, saying that Clarkson had a little bit more on his plate to deal with Uh, on the back of James Sifley being suspended for a
4: week. Good on you, Mitch. Let's hear from Chris Scott. I think
5: one needs to be really careful not to conflate shrugging a tackle with concussion, Um, especially if you're using alternative facts to support your argument. The idea that Giles had 10 concussions is is just wrong. The number's three. And I think even this morning we've had people repeat that error. So I think an error is probably the nicest way of putting it. It's just They're just alternative facts. And the two things are completely separate. So I can understand that it's an issue, but it's not a new issue. The rules have been adjusted. So to bring it up again and suggest a change in the rules, I think, is yeah, deflecting from the real issue that Alice there probably wanted to talk about.
0: So, Mitch, a uh, bit of Kellyanne Conway there. Uh, he's called on with the alternate facts. Um was he angry? Do you think Chris got bubbling under that? He's always very composed as compared to how he was on the field a few times. So how did, what did you sense?
3: I wouldn't say angry. I think he's more upset that they're closer to Alistair class. And don't forget, they coached the international rules together yeah. last year. They went to the Super Bowl together uh, for a week. They did a coach's course uh, together. They, they are good friends, but upset that uh, Alistair's used this uh, shrugging tackle uh, complaint to, to bring in Joel's concussion. So. Uh basically, um, as you'll as you, you hear later on with Chris, he did say that uh, for, for James Sisley to meet Joel Selwood in the face, like he did it and was suspended for a week, he was more likely to receive concussion that way than shrugging a tackle. So uh, he was pretty worked up this morning, Chris, and said he wouldn't rule out picking up the phone to speak to Alistair
4: in person. Thanks, Mitch. Mitch Cleary from afl.com.au out at Avalon, and uh, he will have written his report. So the question for the crunch is, is this grossly unfair on Joel Selwood, Kane?
5: No, I don't think it's grossly unfair. Three surprises me, doesn't it? Across 251 games, I think it is now for Joel Selwood. Three concussions seems a low number now. I'm not clearly... Not questioning the coach and the facts that they've got, but no, that
4: he's th- a fiend for the blood rule.
5: He he is, but but Bartell
4: was the the continued did, concussed.
5: I, I, I just remember one right in front of us right now where Joel Selwood had we was just out cold. Now just off the top of my head, three surprised me. Now, uh, as I said, is that did that surprise you though, Joe? Three? Uh, no,
4: I can think. So there was the one at Kedina Park. Uh, at the start of a game last year on a Sunday. There's one at the MC. I can't actually think of the third one. Mm. I can think of dozens of Mm. blood rules, Mm. but that's completely different to concussions. Uh,
5: Yeah, well, well, to answer your question, then, yes, it it probably is. But the, the tackling issue isn't going to go away. And it's just over to the umpires to me. They said they were going to crack down on it. They haven't done that. They continue to pay these free kicks. I think it's solved by the umpires not paying a shrug when they shrug, it's 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 pretty
2: well, simple. They've to me. talked about
5: that. So it? the
0: rules already, changed. yeah, the rules already the rules, changed. But I don't, have, but they haven't year.
5: paid it.
2: No, it's, paid it's, it sometimes more. I, I want to go into bat for the umpires though. I I think we ask so much of our umpires, but that that rule in particular, we go, oh, when you have a look at it again and you see the arm slip up. But when you see that in fast motion, the the, the arm ends up almost in a headlock of the player. I think we need to give the umpires the umpires a bit of breathing space of if they when they call it and then so they blow their whistle they see the headlock and then they, I think even then the umpires might sometimes even realize that it's one of those situations so where the players late. so so what, what can, can we give the umpires an option to then call a the ball up is that is that an option
0: how, how do they i mean that's changing their mind after they've blown the whistle. Uh, we talked about this, I think, briefly last night, Jared. Yeah. To me, the only way, and this clearly can't happen, it then becomes who it is. That's mm. what it becomes. If it, Oh, if it's Joel Seld, if it's Toby McLean, well, what's if wrong it's with Luke Chewy. Because
5: I know when I had the reputation for staging for a free kick, what's the difference to that? So I was less likely to get a free kick that was actually there because the umpire's... I had a reputation for staging. What's the difference? Clearly, if a player is diving, and they know that, they're less likely to get a free kick. If a player is shrugging, surely you call it on reputation, then they should be less likely to get a free kick.
4: Yeah, Yeah, so perhaps your reputation counts against you. But that is quite different to the idea of we need to save Joel Selwood from himself, which is what... Alistair mm. Clarkson introduced yesterday
1: yeah that seems
4: wildly that
2: seems like a that seems like a, a big jump that that Joel Selwood's concussion uh, and is, is is a result of the the shrugging of the shoulders when he gets tackled I, I, that's a too big a leap for me. Mm.
4: What's
0: his motivation in Clarko is it, is it
4: well a I think the questions or? were about Sicily and whether it was time to actually start to control his hot-headedness and he flipped it the other way and said not only not the umpires need to look after Sicily but it's, it's quite obvious, isn't it, that Hawthorne blamed Selwood for what happened to Sicily. Mm. <laughs> which And that has been an undercurrent during the week. And I think that, that's the only way to read what was said yesterday. Yeah, I think
0: the question was framed along the lines of... Scott Pendlebury said it's up to the, uh, the person tackling... Um, do you agree? And then he, he went off the other way, but
2: I've got a question for you. Hutto. Do you yep. think, do you think when Chris Scott and Alistair Clarkson, if that, if that phone call is made between the two, do you, do you think Chris Scott will run with the phrase alternative facts on, in the phone call? Or do you oh, think he well, will use some I, more I pointed know. language?
0: Only one of us have had breakfast with them. So maybe I'll, I'll ask <laughs> Jared. They were so civil and polite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into some more crunch questions. If we can, uh, What's an acceptable response from St Kilda this week,
2: Bob? Oh, I'm I'm really worried about St Kilda uh, after last week and and just where they thought they were at at the start of the year and and now seeing them in the flesh this year, they look they look quite a way off the pace and Adelaide who was so good last week and you know the, the Eddie Betts who has been out of touch you know he, he's going to find some form again at some point um, if if Adelaide get a hold of them tonight i'm 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 worried about uh whether they can hold them you know and how how far for adelaide basically i'm a
5: little bit different i think the saints can win this i think they can i think there can be a really strong response you're getting adelaide at a pretty good time no crouch brothers their defense is young you look at dude brown malira back there and eddie bett's out of form so i think we'll see a strong response from saint kilda tonight and i reckon they can win
4: all right, so that would be interesting for the Crows, Kane. So for you, as it feels like we haven't heard the last of the Crows camp. Is that your vibe?
5: It is it is my vibe, and I think there'll be... I was expecting the club to come out and make a statement this week, and I'm disappointed that they haven't. Um, just to clear it up, I think they can easily come out with some sort of press conference with a captain and a coach to clear up exactly what went on. Now, that hasn't happened. They're, they're determined to keep it in-house, but that hasn't worked, so... I'd urge the Crows to come out and clear up these facts. Otherwise, this story will continue to drag on for another month or so.
4: So it does feel as though, uh, at the very least, the sensibilities of the Indigenous group were offended by something that took place.
5: At the very least. And for, I think it was it started off on the wrong foot, uh, Bob, when, when they their phones were confiscated off them. And when you've got young children at home, and I think Eddie Betts's partner or wife was pregnant with twins at the time, that is what got them offside, I think, initially. And then after that, it remains a mystery as to what happened. So I'd love to cl- the club to clear up exactly what went on and, and what the issue is.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think um, with all cards on the table, we'd all have a better understanding and, and, and perhaps move on with it. When you've got threads of information, you, and you can quite... You know, I can I can sympathise with um, you know mother of um, children who's who's pregnant as well. That that would, that would play on a player's mind for sure.
4: Separate to the crows, have you wondered, Hutto, whether it's appropriate that a group like that? Is linked into football, so that the the organising group, which has been in various degrees described as a cult. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a great, I and mean, it's hard to know when you don't know. I mean, we've seen the success, well, that, that Adelaide had with that group to some degree last year. Um, but I mean, it's a mer- and and Richmond obviously had with their, their mindfulness uh, with Emma Murray. It, it's it is, it, it seems that there's this issue between the the actual trained psychologists and versus. Whatever this is that they're doing, and it's hard to know from the outside. They, they believe in it, or at least they did until now. And now there seems to be some uncertainty whether they're going to go on in the future. I mean, it, do, it
2: does speak, doesn't it, to the appetite for improvement now in the in mm. the mental side of the game. We've seen. You Same know the tip
0: of the iceberg. Yeah, I
2: that's right. And we, but we saw, you know, for a long time about the the extreme lengths clubs will go to in a physical sense, training methods, altitude. Um, we saw the disastrous circumstances with the Essendon supplements. So Are how far we we're willing to go in a physical sense. Now, now it's the the, the edge in the in the mental side of football, and uh, not everyone's going to get it right. Uh, Dane
0: Beams is out for Tom Cutler in that game over there, which is unfortunate. No change for Port Adelaide, unfortunately. I think it was his 150th game. I was going to ask a crunch question about him, but I'll leave that for another time. Be- Beams is ill. Uh, he didn't play a great game last week, but he's out. He is ill, unfortunately. Um, Ben Dixon, back to Clarko for a minute. Ben Dixon said this week Clarko should be thinking premierships this year. Do you think he should be, Kane?
5: Yeah, I think he should be thinking that. Um, I wouldn't think that they're good enough to do so and you need a little bit more time to judge them but uh, just should be so impressed. I, I said they got the best forward line in the game Um, And whilst you have that and you're getting the contribution across the board with the way they're defending the ground, then they're a good chance. So they definitely should be thinking it. Are they capable of it? I don't think so just yet.
4: I've got one for you, Hutto. It requires the Cricket Australia audio from yesterday. This is the chairman, David Peaver. Don't have it. He said James Sutherland has the full support of the board. Is this a bad sign for James (laughs) Sutherland?
0: I heard that Jared yesterday afternoon driving into the footy, and I thought he is doomed. <laughs> Famous last words. The old full support of the ball. <laughs> that
4: cliche. The forty wings ladder update. The Blues are zero and three with a percentage of seventy-three point nine after the affairs of last night. While the Pies moved to one and two with a percentage of ninety point four. Still plenty to come in the crunch. When will all the wines? Coach Port Adelaide is our game suitable Coach for a game? though, captain. <laughs> one day, one day, captain. Port Adelaide, the best. Best of three grand final series is our sport actually suited to that and when the talk comes of a wonder drug what sort of shutters does it send through our competition the crunch continues next
1: on 11 16 sen the award-winning crunch time for honda's 2017 runout. Jared Whitney, Anthony Hudson,
4: Bob Murphy and Kane Corns with you on the crunch going through the key issues in footy right now for this afternoon at the MCG. There is a late change for North Melbourne. Robbie Tarrant is going to miss with hamstring tightness. Majak Daw takes his place in the side. Majak was out on the field for the curtain raiser. The VFL North Melbourne side playing the Australian Academy team. He was out there. He posed for the photo. He went through the warm-up. He was about to get stuck in and then he was hooked out to play in the seniors (laughs) later this afternoon so not quite the sitting in the stand eating a pie Kane but no, not too far from no not too at least he
5: was prepared he would have been strapped and ready to go so uh but what a on the serious side massive blow for North Melbourne Tarrant was just outstanding last week so huge blow and uh, makes it really difficult for them to contain Jesse Hogan today
4: Bob, is footy suited to a best of three grand final series?
2: Oh, I don't think so, Jared. (laughs) No, I don't think so. Well, uh, uh, ask the uh, ask the St Kilda players of of 2010. I think no, I think grand final is just it's all on the table for for one day. That's that's not our game, is it? Nope, definitely not.
5: I agree with you 100% on this one, Bob. Uh, No, I, I don't mind the idea being raised, and it's a good debate. But let's not change what is working very very well.
4: If you're going to have a debate about the grand final structure, you should be debating, should it be played at a a designated venue? Should it move like um, through Perth, through Adelaide, through Melbourne on on that Super Bowl style? Well, how
5: did you find that you're probably best to ask that? I say definitely not. And as a player, I want to win the grand final at the home of football on the MCG. That's my thoughts, Jared. Were, yeah, you, no,
4: I'm the same. Yeah. As I think it belongs at the MCG. Mind you, in the stadiums that are there now, as a grand final at the Adelaide Oval or a grand final at Optus Stadium would be mm. utterly superb. Mm. Um, and it would have nothing to do with the, which teams were playing or not. So, But no, I'm not, I'm not an advocate for any of that. When does Ollie Wines captain Port Adelaide? Next came?
5: year. Um, next year. I think they would have thought really seriously about this year. Um, but... Perhaps not quite ready, but the way he's playing, the way he's playing already so far, I think it'll be definitely next year, and the remaining. or well, hopefully he signs. And Ken Hinkley said with you, Jared, that he's not too far away
2: from doing so. So next year he'll captain the club.
4: He looks every inch a leader, doesn't he, Bob?
2: Oh yeah, I mean even the, the way he plays is obvious that he, you know, he runs that midfield, such a combative big body in there, um, and the the noise you hear out of the football club is that is that he's a leader in the locker room as well, but they've got to get his signature first. They've got to get that on paper first, Kano.
5: (laughs) Hearing a two-year deal, which uh, would take him, I think, to eight years, which is restricted free agent, which would be a smart move from his management. He's always going to have that lure of going home, so he'll be the highest-paid player probably in the history of the Port Adelaide Footy Club by the time he's
4: done. Wow, by the time he's finished his career. Yep. Yep. Uh, Does talk of a wonder drug send shudders through the footy world?
2: Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's the the combination of when you hear the wonder drug, and then you hear the the frustration in the in the quotes from from Andrew Walker in the in the newspaper. Of uh, he seemed really exasperated about having having been through the process himself, and then and then hearing um, some alternative facts <laughs> coming out of coming out of the AFL. So yeah, I think that that needs to be cleared up. Cleared up this week because it was still still a little bit murky, to use your word, Jared, uh, during the week.
5: Very murky, uh, a bit of a mess. Uh, I think a, probably a storm in the t- in a teacup, to be honest with you. When you look at the facts and the processes that these players have gone through, but um, the AFL, uh, yeah, as you said, need to clear this up quickly. There
4: was a secondary layer which was put in after the Essendon scandal, and. It's where does this sit on the secondary layer, not being registered in Australia, requiring mm. the special approval of the Therapeutic Goods Administration. And, yes, it was the AFL's statements that actually that was it. muddied the waters <laughs> here. And having spoken to Andrew Walker at length about it and, and all the steps that they went through because the Essendon stuff was unfolding at the time, his first comment to me when we rang was, I'm surprised it's taken this long for this to, to be front and square because of the circumstances as Mm. such, but he's patient zero, and then it's spread from there, and, you know, as many as 50 players using it right now, and to great effect by the sound of things.
5: No, it's spot on. Jared. I think you've covered it exceptionally well. We played your interview with Andrew Walker yesterday on SEN, and he was, he was staggered, wasn't he? So... I don't think anything to see here, but uh, hopefully we can put a full, full stop to that very shortly. So
4: underwhelming in the first two rounds, could playing against their old sides ignite Tom Rockliff and Jake Stringer?
5: I reckon Tom Rockliff's in for a big one today. Nine disposals and 11. I reckon he'd average probably 26, 27 across his career, Bob. So uh, put him in the midfield, get him going, um, and I don't have any concerns about Tom Rockliff. I do have some concerns about Jake Stringer. You know him better than me, though.
2: Yeah, well, it's, I, I'm surprised by... Uh... By Jake's quiet start to the year, he's a he's a bombastic sort of player, and I th- I thought with the attention on him this year, he'd have a he'd have a he'd have a big season. Um, my concern with Jake is more the how how it was going to be next year, the year after that. Um, can he get things on track? Um, but he's had a, he's had a really quiet start, I think. But I think there'd be a few nervous bulldog supporters with with our current plight, um, I think that, you know, a, a bag of goals from Jake Stringer would would twist the blade for for Bulldog supporters. Uh Tom Tom Rockliffe it's all he missed the entire preseason in terms of games played, so he's had his he's had his JLT really now, so he's He's uh he, he sh- he's the the scene is set for him today to have a to have a big day uh, against against his old club. Dane Beams is out over here too, guys, which is a which is a, a crushing blow for the Lions. He's um their number one midfielder and he, he's out. He's going to miss his 150th milestone today.
4: So there was some banner work going on last night <laughs> like when Collingwood misspelled it tonight. Was. There'll be some banner work going on for the Lions right oh. now because it would have been dedicated <laughs> to Dane Beams. Uh, back in my childhood, Bill Loken was going to play his 50th game for Fitzroy, and I went to the footy that day with the family and he was a late withdrawal and they just put a little tag on the bottom next week <laughs> <laughs> i recall that vividly so bob uh, what are you expecting this afternoon at the adelaide oval
2: oh look i'm expecting port adelaide just to, to take care of business today but but brisbane you know have been up for the fight in their first the first two hit outs without having dragged a w uh, I think their their big hope is in the ruck, as I mentioned, with Stephen Martin. He should he should give their midfielders you know first crack at it. But Beams out. Uh, it was always going to be a tough day. I think I think Port Adelaide will be far too good over here.
4: So Bob Murphy's on duty with Daisy Pearce, Ben Cameron, and Kevin Bartlett for the call of Port Adelaide and the Brisbane Lions. Enjoy it, Bob.
2: Thank you, Jared. Thanks, Kane. Good luck. Thanks,
4: so the last one for you, Kane. Is which club is closer to a flag? Carlton, Collingwood, North Melbourne, Fremantle, or St Kilda? It's an extensive list.
5: <sighs> it is, and it's tough. I'm going to go. The I'm going to go the Saints because of the war chest that they're building. In their salary cap, and uh, if they can land a couple of big ones, they've got some young players coming through. I know it seems a while away, but out of those clubs, I'm going to go to the Saints.
4: In a week where no one has showed any faith in nope. St Kilda nope. at all, Kane, you've come oh, up no. with your best moment last. Have you got it? Can I ask you that question? Melbourne, clearly well, Melbourne Mel- for me. Oh,
5: Melbourne's on there. Oh yeah. no,
4: that says North Melbourne. It's North- just a split. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Jared, that's a good I question. Like- uh, no, I'm none of the above. Yeah, no, you have to be. I am <laughs> none of the above. It's one of Brewster's Millions. You
5: tricked me there with Melbourne. I was like, oh, why, why did I yes, miss Melbourne? Yes, I
4: misread no. that. No, uh, that's a really hard question. Oh. I don't think any of them are even vaguely <laughs> close. Um, Melbourne, Melbourne simply have to beat North Melbourne to afternoon oh, the south of the G.
5: 17 cracks. Come on, Surely. Surely. 2006. Be embarrassing if they can't. No Robbie Tarrant, Mad Jack is in. Let's see how the big fella goes. Can he take a screamer and get the North Melbourne fans fired up?
4: Terrific, Kane. Bob Hutto and Jared Waitley with you on Crunch Time. Assessing all of what happened last night, Peter Jackson, and the first thoughts from Chris Scott in retaliation to Alastair Clarkson, a story that doubtless will last the whole weekend. That's Crunch Time.
2: Want to witness the world's biggest football game?